Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. GAF, we protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply, providing contractors, home builders, and many others with superior quality roofing products. I think we'll start off today's show with a question. When do you put up Christmas decorations, outdoor Christmas decorations specifically, at your house each year? At my house, we like to wait till the Friday after Thanksgiving. That way you focus on Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, we don't watch Christmas movies until Thanksgiving night at the earliest. Again, you just want to make sure you have that time to focus on Thanksgiving. It's a family holiday and we have our traditions that we like to do. And it's easy to, you know, leapfrog over Christmas, but there's no right or wrong way to each his own. Some people put up Christmas decorations way in advance. Other people wait till just a week before Christmas or they don't do it at all. Again, whatever flips your switch, so to speak, light switch, Christmas light switch, that's what you can do. And that is just an example of one of the things we talk about on the Carolina Contractor Show. You want to listen to some other shows and other topics, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can download past episodes there. We have them all categorized by subject. So if there's something specific you want to learn about or get some information about, you can do that. Or you can just spin the wheel of luck and see what show you get and take a listen to it. Again, thecarolinacontractor.com is a website. We also have links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram. We're flirting with 8,000 followers there. We thank you so much for that. You can also ask Donnie, who is a general contractor, any question you have about your house, the inside, the outside, the roof, the storage buildings, your garage, your basement, your crawl space. Talk about Christmas decorations if you want. Maybe you have a question. How do you get your house to look like Clark Griswold's from Christmas Vacation and keep the bill low? And speaking of keeping bills low, one thing you want to do this year is learn to winterize your house. And that's going to be today's subject. Another thing I wanted to mention, this time last year, we did a show on winterizing your house, and right. we said that uh, there should be some significant changes coming in the heating and air world. And uh, while those have yet to take place, you know, a lot of things have happened. Uh, as a result of this uh, supply chain problem, we're recommending folks, if you need a heating and air unit or if you're on year 13 to 15 and you think maybe it's time to get it checked out, I highly recommend it because it's never going to get cheaper. Because of the supply chain issues, everything is up. Uh, price and availability are the two factors that are driving this thing, but equipment is up 17% to date. And we preach all the time that roofing and heating and air are the two big ticket items on your house that will wear out. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting a, a good heating and air heating and air system before the price jumps even more would be a really good idea. And that's on the price point, but on the availability, um, you know, uh, people just can't get the supplies. You know, sheet metal has doubled. Uh, flex is really hard to get. Uh, flex is all your supply lines. And the word is some of the larger heating and air companies are uh, basically hoarding three to four months worth of supply line or flex duct just in anticipation of what might happen between now and spring. And really grim prediction is that some of these smaller companies are going to go out of business. Yeah. Not because they don't have the work. It's just they can't get the equipment to put the work in. And a lot of people like to use the same company that installed to maintain it. So it's not like right. you can necessarily make a, a living of just being a maintainer of right. HVAC systems if you're a small business. Right. And to touch back on what we predicted last year, that the heating and air world would change just because of more strict regulations uh, per code, a lot of that stuff has basically been put on hold because if you can't get the systems, why would you make it harder to put what you can get in a residential house? And I think we mentioned last year that folks were tinkering with fan speeds and things that mm-hmm. would you know slow the transmission of any kind of airborne virus. And 
they just haven't been able to implement anything like that because of the big the situation as a whole. Another side note, an article that made national news not so long ago about the doctor from ECU that published something we've been talking about. Uh, we reached out to them to see if they'd be willing to do a show and, and comment on some of their research about early detection of viruses in general just from the heating and air systems. And yeah, that was really interesting. And I want to take the position that we talked about the ability to maybe eradicate viruses mm-hmm. as they hit the HVAC system before they go through the house or the building several months before. Maybe the doctor heard our show and then piggybacked on what we said. And they decided to go look into (laughs) it. Also, we have a quick update on net zero. And this marker is 2050. So we're talking basically 30 years out. But uh, there was an order that the president signed. Was it earlier in the past week? It was this past week on Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, that he said that all government vehicles that they purchased by 2035, all Mm -hmm. government vehicles have to be electric. Yeah, what I read was that the order will direct all these federal agencies to buy only zero emission vehicles all by 2035, and then they'll uh, be required to update the federal building so they can reach this net zero emission requirement by 2045. And the reason I think that's a big deal is uh, the federal government is the single largest landowner. They're the single largest energy consumer mm-hmm. and the single largest employer in the in the nation. So basically, the direction they go, they expect the private companies to, to follow suit. Like I said last year, I'm not a huge proponent of this net zero by 2050 because I just don't think it'll work. I, I really think that we're missing the mark. And when you read up on where our energy is used, 60% of our energy is used in the industrial sector. So with all these changes, I guess that would be considered commercial and, and some residential. But I just feel like we're barking up the wrong tree. And from a big picture standpoint, you really can't crack down on these manufacturers in the industrial sector because they're already having their problems with supply chains, you know, COVID protocols and just an employee shortage. So, you know, adding one more thing to the mix could put us right over the the cliff there. What's that old uh, wise man saying? Oh, yeah. There's no such thing as net zero homes, just net zero people. (laughs) But um, yeah. And, you know, I just think everything that we adopt, everything that catches on with with us in terms of new products, they always cause us to evolve towards convenience. And so net zero is a lot of work. And I just think asking the population as a whole to get on board. Sure, you can put these other things in place like electric cars and uh, change the way that buildings operate to be more efficient so that they produce as much electricity as they consume and that kind of thing. But I just don't think it's uh, the people who are going to drive those cars and work in those buildings, getting everybody on board just doesn't seem realistic. And all that seems doom and gloom. So I would say that if there is a way for us to work towards this, and and this is on a positive note, that battery technologies come so far and, you know, uh, gosh, a 12 volt battery on your drill, what, five, eight years ago, now they're 20 volt and they they are compatible with all these different devices. And I'm ashamed to say that I pretty much converted over to battery everything because they're they're so good now. And I just think that the battery technology and then renewable energy resources, we did pretty much a whole show on on renewables about a year ago. And I think that, that those two will be the key. And I think we need to reverse the order of how this is being done. California, not to pick on them, but it is fun. <laughs> they have rolling blackouts every year because they can't supply enough electricity, but then they want to mandate millions of electric vehicles be on the road in California in a short time frame. Right. What were you saying off the air about they, they mentioned don't charge your car at night? Because everybody's going to want to charge their car at night. So when you come home, please don't charge your car. You'll put too much strain on the grid. Well, let's multiply <laughs> the number of people with electric cars. The right. grid can't match the, the need of electric cars yet. Expand the grid, then bring the cars in. Don't say, buy the cars now. How will we charge them? Not our problem. 100%. Off soapbox, let's get to the topic today because (laughs) even though the weather's been kind of weird, hot and cold and frosty and then hot again, this is the time of year to winterize your house. And there's a lot of things we want to go over and they're not very detailed. 
but they're very important. So let's start with that. And earlier talking about HVAC and Mm -hmm. COVID, that's probably the big thing, your heating system. Yep, absolutely. This is the dead horse of the show that we beat about twice a year. And uh, heating and air uh, service calls are just, I can't stress enough how important that is, but just to have your uh, unit serviced about twice a year when it goes from cold to hot or hot to cold is a no brainer on this list and sits at the top. This is going to make sure you're not cold in the middle of the night, and and also it could head off a problem that could cost you thousands of dollars. So for a couple hundred bucks, you may see that there's a, a small part that needs to be changed out, and of course that could contribute to the whole system failing, and, and it usually fails at the worst time possible when that happens. We had Josh Fargus on about a year ago, and mm-hmm. he's a heating and air expert, just a really sharp guy, but he worded it this way. He said, you don't buy a car and not change the oil. So- uh, I just tell folks this this uh, servicing your heating and air and, and developing a relationship with a heating and air company even more so because mm-hmm. if it does go out even still, you know you want to be able to pick the phone up and know who to call. Yeah, and the changing of the filters is so easy and you can buy them in bulk. I usually buy, I only need two at a time, but I usually right. buy it six because it's much cheaper. Amazon will deliver them. You've always been a big fan of uh, checking out the MERV rating. Remember when we talked about well, that? Well, yeah, the MERV rating is basically, in layman's terms, the density yeah. of the filter. You want to use the correct MERV rating for your furnace because if it's too dense or the fabric is woven too tight and it has a higher MERV rating, you can literally restrict airflow into your HVAC system and that can damage your HVAC system. So you want to make sure you know what the MERV rating is and they should have it printed on there. If you're not, again, as Donnie just said, when you develop a relationship with an HVAC company, they're going to help you maintain that unit because they want it to run long too. So just ask them, what's the MERV rating? recommendation for the filters on these machines. Good point. Uh, Moving on to the next thing. Of course, this time of year, all the trees have dropped the leaves and they're just everywhere. So uh, if you're not big on leaf maintenance, you probably should be because of a few things. Uh, These leaves, they hold moisture around your house. And so getting these things away from your foundation is just a good idea. And while a big stack of leaves may be a good insulator, that's not the kind of insulation that you want. (laughs) So, um, you know, cleaning the leaves from your gutters, that'll prevent ice dams. And something that you, like I mentioned with the heating and air, it always happens at an inopportune time. So uh, it's always going to be a problem when you don't have time to deal with it. But, you know, taking your blower around and going maybe every other week to get what's left of uh, the fall leaves is just a really good idea. Another thing, I close all my foundation vents. This takes about 10 minutes to do your whole house if you do, in fact, have a vented crawl space. But um, we're big proponents of conditioned crawl spaces here on the show. And I do think that uh, if that's something that you are, are considering doing, I, I really endorse the condition crawl spaces. It will extend the life of your uh, heating and air unit if it's, in fact, under the house. It will also help with your insulation, which takes in moisture over time if you do have a, a vented crawl space. And you had a great idea one time. I thought this was genius, putting LEDs like string lights yeah. under your house. If you're going to work under there, LEDs are so cheap and they just basically light up the whole underside of your house. And a lot of people are just freaked out about being under a house. And Understandably. Uh, yeah, I've been in some bad situations and um, uh, didn't even understand there was a snake in the crawl space or multiple snakes Ooh. in the crawl space and worked in there for days. But I kind of consider that paying my dues. Yeah. Plumbing this time of year is when you get a really quick cold snap and you get a broken pipe. Yep. There's a way to help prevent that and that'd be insulating it, right? Yes, sir. And I, I tell people to give special attention to any kind of pipes. If you do have copper pipes, especially give special attention to the pipes that are over near the crawl space vents, because those are usually the ones where you have problems. So if there's an elbow where the pipe bends or anything, you want to just get some foam insulation really easy. It usually comes pre-cut from the big box stores, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're talking uh, one hour deal to prevent any kind of pipe burst. And um, you know, people say, well, my pipes didn't burst last year. 
And uh, every year, the walls of that copper piping get thinner and thinner. So basically, if you're on well water, the minerals in the water will erode that pipe from the inside out. So uh, just getting the insulation on there could extend the life of your plumbing and keep you from an emergency. And this Mm -hmm. goes without saying, but um, invest in those foam covers for the hose bibs outside. Those are the first things to go because they're exposed to the weather. My hose bib that's on the southwest side because that's my prominent wind direction. That's the one that's always prone to freeze up. So not only do I have a cover on it, I put a big trash can in front of it and that seems to help. Yeah. And if you're uh, making moonshine or you have a still, those copper pipes, you still need to wrap those up nice and tight and keep yep. them because you don't want that stuff just running right. all out on the ground. Yeah. Send a picture of uh, of that to, through the website. I'd like to see that. If yeah. That's the case. Send us a picture of how you weatherproof your stills. All right. Uh, around the doors and windows and stuff, weather stripping is a big thing, Donnie. Yes. This is probably the most important thing. We always harp on convective and conductive heat transfer. So convective is, I always think about a convection oven, how mm-hmm. air swirls around it to cook it. But convective heat transfer is similar concept where there's always air pushing on your house. You always have a positive pressure that's trying to cause the air from the outside to infiltrate to the inside. And I just tell people, stop ignoring drafty areas. Like if you have an area of your house, that's always cold. It really needs attention. And this contributes to your utilities more than you Mm -hmm. realize. I tell folks, if you know a carpenter who's capable of popping your window casing off, one thing that we see that was a common install method in just about every house that was pre-spray foam is when your windows were installed, of course, the rough opening is set in the framing to be wider than the windows. So when the windows come, you would have, mm-hmm. you know, quarter inch, half inch all the way around. And that just made for a really clean install. Well, that void or that gap is one of the main sources for your, your heat loss or your heat gain rather in the summer. But a non-invasive solution would be to have a carpenter pop the window casings off off in your house and just go room by room. And when you take those off, you want to make sure you use the low expansion spray foam, but you can buy it for seven bucks a can at the big box store. And while that may take 10 cans to do the whole house, uh, you'll notice a considerable difference because normally that's what's responsible for the drafty areas in your house is the uh, air pushing in from the outside and getting in around those windows because that's definitely a vulnerable point. Another thing you can use is like a backer rod or a foam rod, but I'm a bigger proponent of the spray foam because it seems to fill all the gaps so much better. And we recently had a storm door put on. We had an old storm door, the wood type, that really was nothing but a visual. It didn't stop cold air from coming in. It ran its course of life. We got rid of it. We didn't have it for two years. Mm -hmm. And you'd get near the front door and you could feel the air coming through, even with weather stripping. So we went to Lowe's to get a storm door, which we had to pay for. They didn't give it to us. They're not a sponsor of the Carolina Contractor Show, though they should be. We had them install it. It was worth every penny. The door shuts. It seals. It's got a deadbolt lock now. We can leave the front door open, leave the storm door closed, let in the natural light. And it also is much more efficient for keeping the heat in and the cold out. I think that that was a great idea and a good buy. Didn't you say you got it installed and everything for about 400 bucks? Yeah, the one we got. And I was very pleased with it. I was a little apprehensive and I thought, well, this isn't like having subcontractor come in and do your floor or something like that. Or the storm door, I would definitely do it again. Definitely recommend it. Weather stripping and spray foam can make big changes to your house. I sure think you'll, you'll be glad you did it. Last thing on the list that I'll talk about is ice and snowstorm prep. In our area, we get uh, at least one ice storm a year. And right. depending on how recent the uh, power lines have been changed out in your area, you may or may not lose power. But If you have a generator, go ahead and fire that thing up and make sure that it works right before you need it. And um, one thing that I did on my personal house is I had an exterior outlet installed for the generator that would back feed into my panel. So we have gas logs and my generator is not one of the standalone generators that is built into the house, but I can pull it over there and in about 15 minutes time have it cranked up 
and uh, there's a safety switch that goes on your panel so it won't allow the energy company's electricity to flow through at the same time the generator backfeeds and the reason that's important is should the power come back on if it could backfeed you could electrocute a lineman actually out there doing repairs on the lines at the same basically what what we're saying is have a pro an electrician install something like this if you have the little basic generator where you plug a couple things into the safety issue there is keeping it outside and don't put it in your garage either right you want to keep that generator outside somewhere and run a couple extension cords. But um, the other thing is obviously so many things run with batteries. Right. Uh, we've got cell phone charging decks. You basically charge this brick and you can recharge a phone from zero to a hundred six, seven times on this one charging brick. Charcoal grill was on the <laughs> list, but that's another thing you have to be careful about, right? Yeah. Well, charcoal grill, it's just you don't need anything uh, but the charcoal and, and a starter to light it. And last but year- But not inside. Not inside, right. I'm just saying that's a way that if you're stuck at the house, it's kind of something to look forward to and it's neat to be able to cook. I uh, I put a picture out that got a lot of attention last year because I made my daughter some cookies on our charcoal grill and they were wonderful. They were better than the oven version and- um, you know, just something neat that you don't think about as a grill food. When you told me that story, I didn't think about it until our oven element broke. Mm-hmm. So for a couple of days, waiting for the replacement piece to come in, we didn't have the oven working and my daughter wanted to make cookies. And because you told me about doing that on the grill, yep. we did the same thing. And you're right. It's a lot of fun. And they thought it was great. It wasn't even cold. It was in the middle of the summer. <laughs> but they're like, oh, we're grilling cookies out. Right. It makes dad look good. Yeah. A little um, A1 and while this isn't really a house thing, I always tell people, go ahead and buy a sled. When it snows, you know, and you're the last person to the store, you have to buy the cheapest sled that they have. And one thing that I've tried to do with, with three children is I always stay ahead of the winter by, we, we get a new sled every year because of course they don't make them like they used to, but that's just one little thing as a reminder that you might want to go ahead and pick and up. And because we don't necessarily get the correct weather for the old metal sled rail system, you can also buy a plastic toboggan those blue deals that are real long because they work on almost, if you just have a hill, Mm -hmm. if there's snow, ice, something slippery, that thing will work on it too. So have that ready. All right. What are some remodel moves we can do here for winter, Donnie's? Yeah. into it. Um, The first list was just winterizing your existing house. But if you want to make some big changes, that'll make a big difference. Um, Blown in insulation is the first thing I'll start with because uh, the code is R38, which is about 13, 14 inches in your attic. Um, if you're going to have a contractor come into your house with an insulation blower, I recommend going ahead and going R44 and just tell them put a little extra in there. It's not measured in thousands. It's measured in hundreds to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have a one-story house, the payback is only about two years for that. And especially if you have gas heat, that overhead insulation is going gonna, is gonna to really help things and it's going to make your house a lot more comfortable. Um, if you have pull-down stairs, you know, change these out or have those retrofitted they make something i think it's um it's called a marwin thermoblock and i have that in my personal house yeah it sounds good but it's uh an inch and a half door similar to your exterior doors it's an actual inch and a half door that's sealed and weather stripped Mm -hmm. and uh, the r value there is about three times what you can get from one of the thinner luon plywood uh pull downstairs like you would get at a big box store yeah you can also if you have the room look how it closes and you can put thin weather stripping on the perimeter right. of that door facing up into your attic yes at the very least if you don't want to buy a new door and have that installed that weather strip like eric mentioned is uh something that'll keep the interior seal and i guess that that would play back into the convective heat transfer because it's dealing with air movement but uh to tackle the conductive heat transfer you can actually buy a piece of rigid spray foam and uh, a tube of caulk, and you cut that to fit on the back side, and you basically slide it up under the stairs to be on the back side of the plywood, and you can add as much as I think an R five there. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a big help when it comes to heat transfer in that area. All right, the uh, big holes in the side of our house always causing <laughs> 
heat to escape windows. Right. What do we do? Well, um, you could either do a replacement window or a sash replacement kit. I've done both. Uh, it just depends on what the exterior veneer calls for on the house. But the windows that are the bare code minimum now, you know, they range about an R3. But compared to what they had even 10 years ago, they're far superior. All that's dictated by the energy code. So uh, the energy code is so strict now that the cheapest window out there is worth putting in the house because it's it's going to be an upgrade from what you have. Donnie, I'm, I'm going to let you go in some detail on this and why it is important to seal your crawl space. We talked yeah. about closing your vents on your house. Right. And you said, unless you have a sealed crawl space, right. well, let's talk about it. Well, if if you don't want to go the full-blown route of a sealed crawl space, uh, I do recommend the solid insulated covers to go over the vents, at least in the wintertime. And the reason is, you know, the stack effect. We always talk about the stack effect in an attic and a roof situation where, you know, the hot air moves in through your soffit vents and your overhangs and it goes, it exits out of your ridge vent. But the same concept happens under your house. So that moist, humid air actually is going to make its way into your house. And that, of course, has an effect on the heating and air system because it has to change the temperature of that air. It also has to dehumidify that air. And I recommend uh, if you don't have a vapor barrier, we talk about this a lot as well, but go ahead with a vapor barrier. They sell six mil plastic at the big box stores. I would shop around and see if you could get 10 mil plastic. It's not much more. And uh, the 10 mil really holds up to any kind of traffic. So if you've got to crawl around and service heating and air or plumbing under there, that right. 10 mil tends to stay in place. Yeah, definitely cutting off the moisture that's introduced to the crawl space is a real thing. Uh, basically, a sealed crawl space is a souped up version of what I just said. So they take that uh, thick plastic and they cover the base of the crawl space, but they also turn it up the wall and then they put the rigid foam over top of that. And that, that of course, cuts down on heat transfer or cold transfer from the outside rather and uh, they also introduce a supply line. So they put positive pressure on that crawl space. And uh, that just seems to do the trick in terms of keeping the crawl space. It's not the same temperature as the living space above, but it solves the problem of uh, the air moving where it's not supposed to. Again, walk around your house and, and look at those vents. If you need more information, we'll have it up on the website. Look at your gutters. Uh, mm-hmm. You can buy extensions for your hose. It's like on a pole and then right. it has like a um, U-shape to it. Yep. So you can clean out your gutters. It's messy when you do it, but it works. You just walk across the front of your house holding this long pole up on the gutter and it'll just wash it out. So we don't recommend you get up on a roof. I'd personally rather call somebody who's uh, fully licensed and their insurance policy travels with them to take care of my roof if I needed something like that done. Hey, I want to add one more thing to the crawl space conversation. If you do some of these modifications and this is you're going to take it this far. Uh, especially if you're already going to be working down there, I recommend having a water alarm installed. That's pretty much oh, yes. the cheapest insurance you can get down there. And should you ever have a pipe burst, of course, it's under the house. So you may not know it until you see a huge pool of water, you know, off the lower end of your house there. But a water alarm's not very expensive. And um, uh, in a lot of cases, you can do that yourself and install it without having to hire a plumber. Now, here's a second tip I can give from personal experience. We have a swimming pool and we keep it covered in the winter. And every time you get a moderate rain, you get a pool of water on top of that cover. So I have a little submersible pump I bought from Lowe's, who, by the way, is not a sponsor of the show, but should be. This little submersible pump that I use is just enough to keep the water off. And I run a hose to the street, right to the gutter. Well, one summer we got hammered with a thunderstorm that was literally pouring buckets of rain. And I happened to go out and look, and I could see the water was backing up into my crawl space. So what I did was grab that pump, hooked up the hose, ran it to the street, and fired it up. 
I then took pictures and I took video, not only to show damage if there was any, thankfully there wasn't, but if I had to make an insurance claim, I was able to show that I tried to mitigate the damages. Again, I had no damage. I didn't have to make a claim. The only thing I did was had the people that put in my vapor barrier under the house come back and make sure that that was okay. But having something like a submersible pump is a very handy thing if you have some minor flooding going on. And just in general, if something happens to your house, especially during a storm, and you can show that you tried to mitigate the damage and you can document that, insurance companies love you. Now, don't be crazy. And if a tree falls on your house, don't climb up there and try to get it off with a chainsaw or do something you're not experienced at. But document, document, document. Mitigation is, a, is something that insurance companies love to see homeowners do and, and take care of the investment of their house as well as the insurance company who is the one who's going to take care of you if you do have damages. All right, we thank you for joining the Carolina Contractor Show. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Again, visit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And if you want to submit a question to Donnie Blanchard, general contractor, click on the Ask the Contractor button and submit it to him and he'll get back with you. And then we do questions on the air once in a while too. Again, have a fantastic Thanksgiving and let's look forward to a great Christmas season. And we'll see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Hey, it's Eric Smith, co-host of the Carolina Contractor Show for SureTop Roofing. A brand new roof is even more affordable than ever. SureTop Roofing, your local GAF Master Elite certified roofer, now offers financing plans for as low as $85 a month. That's probably less than your internet or cell phone bill. With approved credit, you can finance that brand new roof for 10 years at 9.9%, and that includes warranties for up to 50 years. But this offer is only available from SureTop Roofing, so schedule your free estimate at SureTop Roofing. That's SureTopRoofing.com.